Hello and welcome to episode 96 of the Ego Child Podcast. My name is Preston Byers and as always, I'm joined by my co-host Justin Binkowski. And on today's episode, we have the official Call of Duty League season rule set upon us. And we will be going through that, talking about the maps and modes that will be involved for this upcoming CDL season. Uh, we also have some roster not necessarily change, but uh, starting lineup changes already happening in the CDL before the season even officially begins. And uh, Scrappy has become the the true villain that the CDL has always needed. He picked up the mana that was left by Aches, and he has continued on with the tradition. And we'll get into some of the stuff that he's been saying on stream and, and on Twitter uh, over the last week or so. But before we get into any of that, how are you doing, Bink? doing all right like you said uh well, i guess we don't have really a ton to talk about which i guess but uh regardless yeah i'm doing all right and yeah and i don't got much to add so we're good to go all right uh we're gonna start with the rule set so the um call of duty league announced the maps and modes uh, i believe we already knew the modes uh, but they announced the official maps for the uh first version of the cdl rule set for this season and we have five hardpoint maps five search and destroy maps and three control maps uh, and i believe there's only six total maps involved a lot of crossover between these three modes uh, so i'll just go one by one and we can kind of talk about them um starting with hardpoint um invasion karachi skid row sub base and terminal these have been the maps that uh, teams have been scrimming on uh, on stream so i figured if there was any kind of um like a, a surprise contender that would be pretty shocking um those were the only maps that i had seen what do you think of the hard point pool invasion karachi skid row sub base and terminal is that enough are there any maps that you, that you think should have been included uh in addition to those or any of those maps that you thought probably shouldn't have made the cut um i mean obviously i even scrimmed or played competitively like these guys so if that if that's like has pro player input in it then um that's going to be a more educated opinion than me but um the, the big thing that jumps out to me is no scrapyard we've talked about it on both ends of the argument really because uh i was of the mindset heading into the season that scrapyard wasn't going to be a part of the rule set simply because uh, i thought it's, it's definitely like the smallest map in the game outside of rust and it just due to the pace of play nowadays, I didn't think um, it would actually fit, but I feel like they were scrimming on it a little bit at the start, so there was like a glimmer of hope that potentially Scrapyard would be a part of the rule set, and now, you know, we don't know the reason for sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if that was one of the main reasons it was decided not to be included, was just because it was potentially too chaotic, too chaotic, too small, you know, spawns were probably fluky just because of the size of the map and people spawning everywhere, I don't really know, but, um, yeah, that's the one that stands out to me, obviously, uh, sub-base is an interesting addition, uh, probably told somebody in 2009 that, uh, sub-base was going to be a competitive map, they, they probably wouldn't have, uh, like that very much uh, and i think one of the hard points is like on one of the submarines or something and there's like no cover it's, it's kind of a weird hard point so i don't know how long that one's going to stick around uh potentially if we get some other maps that, that that could be one that you know gets the axe down the road but um that's you know initially just looking at it one of the things we've talked about 
since the beginning, once we knew like the the map pool for uh, MW3 as a game being all MW2 remakes, is we knew that you know hard hardpoint's not going anywhere in the CDL, and none of these maps were created when hardpoint was a was a mode. So, um, we we've brought it up a couple times now, just discussing you know how that was going to play out. Well, if hardpoint was going to work on these maps, yada yada, and you know they're they're gonna do what they can with with what they have here, but some of these maps were you know staples in competitive MW2 back in the day, although there wasn't high rise. You know you you saw um, almost the same exact uh, map pool for search and destroy. I know I'm getting a little head here, but uh, back then it was it was high rise invasion, Karachi scrapyard, and terminal for search and MLG variant on game battles. Um, so it's essentially. At the same thing now with Skid Row replacing Scrapyard. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, very minor changes, even though it's literally completely different modes being played on these maps over, you know, a decade plus. Um, and, yeah, I'm just going to have to, you know, wait to see some more action before I'm able to give some stronger opinions on, uh, like, how hardpoint and stuff play on these maps. Yeah, I haven't... Other than, you know, pubs and stuff, I haven't really been able to play um, a lot or much of these maps in, the, in this specific mode of hardpoint. Um, but uh, from what people have been saying publicly, you know, pro players or challengers players, um, respawns is, um, it's not very good on this game, which is unsurprising, like you've mentioned. It not being, these maps weren't developed for hardpoint, when I think not or using game modes that weren't developed uh, or the maps weren't developed for those game modes, that can be very tricky. Um, and the movement system is completely different. So the way these maps are essentially can be interacted with uh, by the players is very different. You know, maps that um, used to be very big and you'd have to trek a, a long time to get across. It's a lot easier to get across now with tax sprint. Um, and you know, there's no like marathon essentially, but, um, that's kind of like the, the norm is that you can sprint longer, you can sprint faster. So things are the, the timing of everything is different. Uh, but the sub base hard point thing that you brought up is, is interesting that the, one of the Hills is literally on the submarine and there it's like a very specific part. Like it's not just the whole submarine. It's just like the top end part of it. And I was watching a scrim, I think it was Optic Carolina, but I, I'm almost positive. It was Carolina because it was uh, Clayster stream and they were scrimming someone and that uh, sub base hard point ended 250 to 249 and the last hill was the submarine hill. So they were all trying to get the, the scrap time on the submarine. So if that actually happened in competitive, it would be insane just because like you said, there's no cover it's very tiny everything is out in the open and there's like five or six different angles that you can get shot from um so it maybe it'll be interesting from a viewer's uh perspective and i think uh in general that is kind of what we're going for if this can be an entertaining um you know game mode or entertaining map from a viewer's perspective then it's kind of secondary that the players may not like some of these maps or some of these modes as much. Um, and depending on how unpopular 
uh, sub base, just for example, is among pro players. Maybe we won't see it very much, and teams will just perma ban it out of competitive. We've seen that quite a bit. Um, specific teams have their instant, um, you know, bans or instant picks when they do the veto system. So it'll be really interesting. Um, I think a lot of these hard point maps are. Uh, really really difficult there's always one hill that's almost unbreakable like terminal is burger town for sure because it's literally just a counter that you can snake behind and there's cover behind it you have to cross um so there's always a you can have guys sitting like a uh like back library around security and they can just watch p1 and pretty much just pick everyone off and then you have one guy snaking in the hill it's just a nightmare. It seems pretty uh, bad from a competitive uh, perspective, um, but it could make maps more interesting if you know that everyone, that a team can actually get a full 60 on Burger Town and kind of even up a game. Um, I haven't really seen that much of Invasion, Karachi, Skid Row, that like anything that pops out. Like I've watched quite a few maps, but nothing that really stands out from those. Um, although the the spawns seem to be pretty wacky with um, all of these maps, to be honest. Uh, Search and Destroy is next, though. And this is probably, like you said, you know, Search and Destroy has always been a part of competitive, so it's not as different for um, a competitive player for these maps specifically to be involved. High Rise, Invasion, Karachi, Terminal, and Skid Row are the Search and Destroy maps, so pretty much the exact same as Hardpoint. But you sub out sub base for high rise, and that is your S and D map pool. Um, I don't know. Like, I think this is probably a pretty good map pool. I'm. I think it was obvious that high rise from the beta was going to be an S and D map, unless there was just a bunch of maps that could fit into this game mode um, upon launch. But I think most people figured that was not going to be the case considering it wasn't necessarily the case when MW2 was around in the first, or MW2 was around in the first place and these maps were a part of it. Um, any thoughts on high rise invasion, Karachi terminal and skid row S and D. Yeah. I like, I like most of these maps and are ones that I've played countless times now at this point over the years in GBs. So um, I, I I really enjoy Invasion and Karachi. I think Karachi was probably uh, my favorite map. I used to like love doing lightweight marathon rushes with my silenced ump and uh, MW2 back in the day. Then you know get the bomb down at B, which is the one by Diner. Um, at least I think it was and is. Yeah, I, I it's inside Diner. Uh, yeah, um, behind the bus. Yeah. I knew the bombs, I just couldn't remember if it was A or B, and, you know, we, we've had that issue where they've switched the names of uh, bombs or even, you know, raid control is the one that sticks out to me. I remember them them swapping that on us, just uh, difficult, but uh, anyway, um, the, the big thing that I remember, and I this could have been patched potentially in patches since then, because... I don't think I've played a lot of pub S&D since launch night, but on launch night, I was playing with my cousin and had correspond, Ego Child Correspondent Trim. Uh, you might have been playing too at that time. I don't remember, but we were playing High Rise Search and Destroy, and I was planning the bomb and the the one bomb, and now I'm, I can't remember if that's B or A. I think it's B in the little room uh, by the elevators. And I was playing the bomb, and somebody, like, flashed underground, and a barrel blew up underground, and it killed me through the bomb site, like, through the floor. 
And I've seen other clips, Tremor has sent them, of, like, just explosions not even near people killing them on high-rise. Um, so, like I said, I don't know if that's been addressed by the developers yet or anything, but obviously that's a huge, like, issue. If, if that's not addressed in SMD, you could literally, you know, have somebody outside the bomb trying to sound horror a little bit. And, like, if you just hear somebody going into that bomb site, you could, in theory, just, like, throw a nade underground, it blows up a barrel, and you might randomly get bombed down in sight, even if that's not where you're throwing your stuff. Um... That's just something that I've, I've seen some clips of and I experienced it myself in that one pub. But again, that was launch night, so it could have been addressed by now. I just, I honestly haven't looked into it really um, or thought much of it until just now. So um, if we do see that happen, the CDL would be definitely very unfortunate. And that could then be the catalyst for change. But uh, let's hope it doesn't get to that point before that. Um, other than that, for the S&D maps, yeah, I mean, Terminal is going to be uh, interesting, I, I think, in high-rise, too, in terms of snipers. If snipers aren't GA'd, if we get to see them, we could have some good sniper battles on those two maps. Um, I mean, you could really see sniper be used. There's some long lines of sights on all of those maps, but obviously there's the iconic spawn sniping in high-rise. Um, that you would definitely see that be prevalently used if, you know, snipers aren't GA'd. And then in Terminal, you can, there, there's definitely, you know, through the hallway or even, like, through some of the outdoor sites, you can kind of see into library if you're you're outside uh, by the plane or, you know, into the plane, you can see into library. You can kind of see down the hallway towards the one site in red over there. But, um, yeah, there's, there's some diff interesting angles uh and lines of sight that could benefit snipers especially on high-rise and terminal in my opinion but uh, could potentially uh be seen on all maps again that will depend though on if snipers are actually allowed or if they are ga'd but uh, i i'm excited to to see you know for for me personally and for probably some other longtime fans of call of duty um it'll definitely bring back some memories once we get into the you know the the heat of the competition here and it'll definitely be interesting to see what similarities and differences there are in terms of like specific strategies and stuff on these maps. Because like, like I said, I mean, even uh, back in MW2, I was saying I liked Marathon and Lightweight Pro using a silent uh, UMP and, and going for bomb rushes. Like that was obviously very fast back then, but is the, is, are the routes gonna be as fast in today even with the different perks or um, you know, maybe a map, just for the sake of the example, maybe a map like Karachi doesn't play as fast today as it did back then, or vice versa. Um, that's some things I'll be looking out and, and trying to analyze myself once we uh, get into the actual action of the season. And with the, the recent GA that players have to have a pistol now, they can't use the melee knife, that changes the timings as well, because previously it was faster, obviously, if you had the knife and you could sprint um and you could have like lightweight boots or whatever the the jacket is called to increase your tax sprint so that could change the timings of it now everybody has a pistol which um obviously changes things and there's less than a month until um you know only actually a few weeks until we start online cdl play um which is uh pretty interesting um, I was actually looking while you were talking on the uh, MW3 Trello board to see if they had anything about um, the SMD bomb stuff. And the only SMD stuff that I can see is 
Um, they haven't fixed ping exploits can give players an unfair advantage in search and destroy, and they resolved an issue where bombsite A could be planted from an unintended location on terminal S and D. So that's um, on like the wing of the plane, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, but it's not even S and D. I mean, it could be an issue with control. We haven't technically talked about control yet, but that's just something with high rise in general. With random, there's obviously a ton of barrels around the map, and if they if if they explode near somebody, they should kill them. But it's when they're exploding and then killing somebody in a completely different area that's the problem. Um, so I I, I doubt it's been raised or. Yeah. Uh, is addressed, but and then unfortunately, the scenario I mentioned a couple minutes ago is probably what's gonna it's gonna take somebody dying in a ridiculous fashion and at major one, uh, for it to be highlighted. Which again, I hope it doesn't come to that, but if it's not been fixed or addressed yet, that that's potentially a, a likely scenario. Yeah, it, would that fall under the dynamic map elements uh setting? Because if so, that could be. Like, the CDO could just make that a setting in their game? It could. I don't think barrels count as dynamic elements, but I guess they could in theory. That, that's a good question. I mean, that would, be the, that would be the best way because then the devs actually don't need to do anything. The, the league, you know, like in game battles or CMG yeah. or even the CDO, they can just make it a setting so that you shoot a barrel, it doesn't really do anything. It's just like another piece of cover, uh, cover essentially. I would I I don't know the the settings, but I know Tremor sent a a clip of him playing a, a GB or a wager and and one of his teammates getting blown up from like a ridiculous length away from where the explosion was. So, um, unless dynamic map elements isn't a part or isn't a setting that needs to be changed or uh, you know something like that, I don't think it counts. But could be wrong. We might have to do some testing after the show. Yeah. Um, and the final uh, maps are High Rise Invasion and Karachi for Control. I've only seen, um, I don't think I've seen Karachi Control. I think I've seen one map of Invasion Control, and I saw Exceed's clip of a High Rise Control where he got on top of the building um, yeah. with his MCW, and he could see literally the whole map. And obviously, in Control, there's like, one side of the map has A, one of the uh, one of the sides of the map has uh, B. So he could literally see both points. He could see, call out everything. And um, yeah, that was not great. And then a, a seam was bringing him ammo boxes up there so he could stay up and and uh, call out stuff. So um, that'll be interesting. I, I mean, I don't really see it happening very often, but once would just be nice just to see it in, in a competitive map. Um, but high rise invasion Karachi control, I I don't know how much control you've seen. Um, I don't think that there are a lot of fans in the competitive community about control. I, I've seen people calling for capture the flag to come back um, as the the third game mode. I've seen fewer people, but I should say that I have seen people call for domination to be the <laughs> third game mode. Um, what what do you think um is it if control is so unplayable and maybe it's maybe it's not maybe it's kind of the same as it has been where it's you know ridiculously defensive sided and you know 60 70% of the rounds are going to be won by defense but if it is so unplayable um what should be the solution for the CDL how do they handle that what do they do 
without uh, a competitor or have a viable third game game mode. We've had this conversation earlier in the off season of potentially going to like a you know for best of fives a, a two hard point three S and D or a, a three hard point two S and D format. Um, as as long as control is actually a part, I I don't think there's going to be a change in that regard. Like it it would be kind of wild if if the league decided mid season to just take out a whole mode. Um, obviously maps being added and dropped are, you know, big changes, but I feel like an entire mode would just be a whole different level of a change that hasn't happened previously. So I think we're stuck with control this year for good or bad. Um, it, it, what we've talked earlier too about potential for, for, you know, before we knew what the modes were, if, if capture the flag was even going to be in the game, if that was, had any potential, um, even a mode like Demolition we just brought up because that's what was played. These maps were played on in, in MLG variant back in the day. Um, but obviously, I, I don't think Demolition is even a part of this game. So um, it, it seems like we got control. That's the hand we're dealt. We're going to have to deal with it. It's just we're going to have to figure out what maps are the best for it. Uh, like you, I haven't really watched too much. I, I did see that clip of Exceed on uh, High Rise. I saw another one from BZ. I don't remember. If, I, don't, I don't know if you remember him, but... Um, he uh, was like, he got like a, a spawn kill six piece or nine piece on Karachi. Yeah. Um, and that it was, was pretty kills. funny. So, um, yeah, I haven't seen much control outside of that. Um, the the good thing is that even if it's not the best in this current state, it, it's only one map in every best of five. Um, obviously, it would be better if there was just a, a strong third game mode and we didn't have to have a debate about whether this should be in or not. But mm -hmm. like I said earlier, that's the hand we're dealt and we're going to have to make the best of it. Uh, I think this would be a good time to mention some of the maps that are coming for Season 1. Um, obviously, that meat map probably not going to be a part of competitive because they said it was they said it was very small, which was an interesting oh. uh, choice of words. Um, but the other maps that are coming in season one is one is Greece, and that's gonna be at launch for season one, and then Rio is coming, I think, mid uh, season one at the reloaded update. Um, we have had in the past where uh, DLC maps have become competitive maps. It's not super common. It's pretty rare that it happens, but it does happen, and we've also also seen uh, Mercado. Uh, Las Almas was it? Uh, Mercado from last year, um, that was already in the game as part of a, a playlist. Um, so I think that's interesting. That that's obviously that was a competitive map last year. You would think that it would be able to be played on this current game, um, and that it could be a part of the competitive map set. Obviously, um, players, you know, the the teams haven't been playing on it. Um, and it's actually not even in um, custom games, so they you know pretty much can't. But if it were to be added in as like a permanent map, I think that would be you know I know that Mercado is not like the most popular map or anything, but I think just having more options would be nice for competitive. It would be um, it's it's healthier to have instead of five hardpoint maps, six hardpoint maps, seven, eight, nine, it, just a if we could get all of the MW2 maps and then you could kind of pick and choose which of these maps you want 
and teams can actually be more strategic. They could decide, well, we're not going to practice these two maps because we're always going to ban them, and we're going to get really good at these other maps that other teams aren't very uh, well-versed on or they're not practicing as much. I think that adds more strategy than you really only have a, a pretty limited number of maps. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on... Um, obviously, we don't know how Greece and Rio would play because we don't know what those maps are really going to look like, but something like Mercado or even other maps from MW2 uh, potentially making their way into the MW3 competitive map set. Yeah, I, I think it would definitely be weird to have Mercado essentially in back-to-back years. Obviously, we've had cases where, like, you know, in Cold War, we had Raid and, and Standoff and Express and maps like that that are iconic in Call of Duty history. Uh, coming back to the current day competitive scene several years after their release, but I obviously can't think of a time where a map from the previous game was used in the next game's competitive map pool, let alone a year where the, a, a map from the previous year's game was in the public playlist for um the next year's game I, I can't really think of that so um yeah i i think obviously it'll definitely be wishful thinking if we get a, a solid dlc map that could be used competitively um we, we can hope and pray that one of them will work out but um unfortunately in the past two there's historically been some strong dlc maps that come towards the end of the life cycle of the game and then they aren't able to be a part of the competitive rule set because it's either the season's over or it's almost over and at that point they're not looking to change the rule set so um really if a dlc map is going to have a shot to be added to the cdl rule set for 2024 it's gonna be one of these like season one or season two maps um and then it'll be a question of if those maps are actually competitively viable or not um depending on the schedule for this year maybe a, a season three map could have a shot but i feel like any map added to mw3 after the season three would just definitely be off the table because it would just be by that point the season's almost over yeah i yeah i think um it, it would just be better if we could get these maps in at some point earlier on in the season just to give more variety and um maybe establish a different meta uh but yeah it I don't think it's the most likely thing. Um, we haven't really heard anything from the developers or the CDL about it, and I haven't heard any pros talking about it either. Um, but it would be um, an interesting little wrinkle into the season. Uh, let's talk about real quick about the MLG variant because um, the competitive uh, variant for MLG, obviously game battles, is quite different than the one we have in the CDL. The game modes that they're rolling with SND, of course, capture the flag and demolition. Um, Wait, that's the old rule set. Oh, never mind. Then I will pull up the new rule set. So the new rule set is, excuse me. Let's scroll down here. Search and destroy domination. Wait, no. Search and destroy capture the flag demolition. Right? Should just be the same as the CDL. Not what you're trying to look for. I just use that link as. A look at the old and MW2 that so oh, can compare, like, oh, and that stuff. Gotcha. I thought this was for MW3. Yeah. My bad. So Game Battles Game Battles variant does have a scrapyard in it on, on MW3. Um I can link that quick in our notes. 
Yeah, so the original um, MW2, that MOG variant was SND, CTF, and demo. Yeah. Yeah, so... CTF and demo in this, but yeah. Um, so for this, the, the, the GB variant does feature Scrapyard. Um, search and Destroy's High-Rise Invasion, Karachi, Scrapyard, Skid Row, Terminal. Same hardpoint uh, for GB variant is High-Rise Invasion, Karachi, Scrapyard, Terminal, so no sub-base there. And then Control is High-Rise Invasion, Karachi, Scrapyard, Terminal, so Scrapyard and Terminal added for Control. Um, Interesting. We probably just have a setting for uh, for CDL variant to be on, and then you would just use the rule set on the cdl site that's how it worked previously yeah um but i'm not i'm not match finder real quick in scrapyard hardpoint and scrapyard control just so ridiculous like i i want to see it because i didn't actually i know you've uh talked about how um you had seen like some of the maps uh played on that but i hadn't seen any i had just seen search on it and even that was kind of hectic so respawn would be crazy yeah, there there actually isn't a CDL setting on GB yet, and maybe there won't be because of of GB shutting down. But yeah. um, on the match finder, there's there's GB variant, GB variant control, which is you would just play like whatever for you could play a best of one control, a best of three, or best of five control. Uh, GB variant hardpoint, GB variant search, and then GB variant search and destroy all sixteen maps. That would be spicy. Some GB variant S and D on overgrown and derail. Yeah, I would uh, probably just forfeit all those maps. If I got put in Wasteland, Hardpoint, I'm just, like, logging off. It'd probably just be, like, one big hill is the, the grass or something. Um, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. It, it seems weird, though, that, like, obviously game battles and MLG and, and the CDL are owned all by the same people, and yet there are different rules for these sites. And I just... I mean, it makes sense from uh, the perspective, like, there are different people playing for, for, like, these different sites. You know, obviously, like, the pros aren't necessarily playing, like, MLG variant, um, unless they, you know, obviously just want to play game battles or whatever. But it just seems weird um, that they're all different when you're in the same company. But that's kind of the Activision Blizzard thing, I would assume. Um but yeah, I, I'm honestly like I'm sure the the pros would probably hate it, but Scrapyard Hardpoint, sign me up. Like, you know, Bokich Hardpoint was fun. Um, I don't like I I love the small maps. Like those are my favorite maps. Like let's bring in shipment, get a shipment hardpoint going. Let's see if somebody can drop a hundred. Now you're going rogue. <laughs> like a hundred and like eighty on on a map. See if they could do that. Um, but yeah, I, I think it would be interesting just to see. Um, how things go and I, I know ha people have been saying about how skid row specifically is like a really bad hardpoint map but at the end of the day like there just aren't that many options and you know we can't really do anything about it i i think at the end of the day we just don't have um more than really six total maps that could be uh, seven probably because you could include scrapyard as a potential like uh, certainly a potential s and d map but like really you only have seven maps that are viable for competitive in its current state. And um I just you know, we we don't really have that many options, which is unfortunate. Um, but that's just how it goes. Um next thing that we have on the show, Heretics. 
they made a uh, a swap in their starting lineup. Um, we, if you remember from probably like a month or two ago now, but when they officially announced their roster, they had uh, signed five players and they didn't seem to uh, designate a starting four at the time. Um, and before uh, or just as MW3 launched, uh, Journey had tweeted out that he was going to be a restricted free agent and that he was looking for a new team and he was going to be playing in challengers uh, for the time being as he had been the odd man out of the Miami Heretics starting lineup. That has already changed um, and now Journey is in the Heretics starting lineup and Eric Boom is out and he will um, supposedly be starting uh, on the bench uh, to start the season, which is an interesting change. Um, what do you think about something like that, where obviously there have been no matches, there have been pretty limited scrims, um, teams have been scrimming for less than two weeks, um, the, the maps and the game modes have kind of been up in the air, uh, spawns obviously not great in the first two weeks of a game for um, a bunch of maps that never had to deal with hard point spawns. Uh, so what do you think about a team making this kind of change um, in, in their lineup before really getting um, a lot of time with that team? Um, I, I think that should have been the the direction from the beginning for... Uh, let, let me just restart there. I, I think when Heretics signed this roster, having five players and seemingly not being set on... Um, I set, you know, four-man starting lineup. I think the right mindset going into the season was we have these five players. Let's try out a bunch of different combinations and see what we can potentially get the best results from. Um, the only situation where I feel like that wouldn't be the smartest thing to do with, like, a, in a scenario where you sign a five-man roster, uh, it would be like, you know, let's, for the lack of a, a better example, if you if you had the Optic Dynasty and going into the next season you signed like we'll just use maniac or hitch as an example you sign them as a sub um obviously you're you're not going to go into that season saying let's experiment with you know different forming combinations but outside of drastic examples like that uh if you have five players and you don't know which combination of them is going to lead to the best result i feel like being open-minded and heading into the season and trying and to mix and match the players could potentially lead to the best results down the road. And um, that's what it, it seemed to be uh, a scenario here where that's what was going to happen. Then Journey tweeted on October 20th that he was essentially starting in Challengers, which was the the earliest indication we had of a potential starting lineup for Heretics. And then the, the latest development was the, the rotation saying that potentially Journey is going to start to replace Eric Boom, but there was also um, a tweet from Method Sick, who is one of the former uh, Vamos guys from the Black Ops 4 days. Um, was this before or after? This tweet was on the 19th. Was... So... Breaking Points tweet was on the 19th, but in the morning. This is That's when it was edited, so it might have been or something. Regardless, I think Method Sick's tweet was probably in response to uh, the news, but he tweeted, just wanted to inform the community that since day one, me and, uh, I don't know. Noel Garberry? Yeah, sure. 
Uh, me and another coach for Heretics included five players in our roster and never announced an official roster. We are currently testing things out to make sure we are ready to perform at our highest level. Um, so that seems to match up with what I was saying earlier, and I, I think that's just the best approach. Um, so the, the big thing to take away from here is that even if it's potentially being reported that Journey's now in and Eric Boom is out, um, one, out is not the correct term because Eric Boom's still a part of the Heretics, just out of the starting lineup, but two, yeah. um, is that there could very well be another change even before the Major 1 qualifiers, and there could even be another change from Heretics multiple times throughout the season just because they have that five-man team and uh, trying to find whatever squad will lead to potentially the best results possible uh, should be the goal for Heretics, and it seems like it is right now. I think Minnesota did something similar uh, last season at some point where um, they brought in Fame and they were trialing him as yeah. in different spots and they had came to the conclusion, I believe this is when they benched Attach, was that Fame was actually a better AR player and could slot in with that role better than he could with Sub um, and they ended up going with that. But I think that was essentially what they were doing. They were trying, uh, trying different variations of their five-man roster to see which one would fit the best and they ended up coming to the conclusion that fame in the lineup and attach out of it uh, would be best and then they ended up kind of switching it around even oh, closer <laughs> at the end of the season where fame and attach were both in the starting lineup and they put uh, afro um, on the bench which um you know it got them to champs i guess so it, it worked out in a way but um yeah i agree like i think it's um it's tough obviously that these coaches have like a pretty thankless job that they have to come to this decision with pretty limited um practice pretty limited uh film like they don't really have that much to go on when they make these decisions about who's going to be the starting uh for and they can't just make it or they probably shouldn't make it the day of the first match. Like that's kind of what some football teams do where they refuse to say who their starting quarterback is throughout the entire off season, throughout training camp. And then right before the first game, they're like, that guy's the starting quarterback. And that's kind of how things go. It, it can work. Sometimes it can throw off um, or be kind of a surprise for the opposing team, but it also doesn't instill a lot of confidence in the person or in this case, in that specific group that you're starting um, or, or the, the person that's being left out to kind of be left in the dark until the very end. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird thing. And I, I also should mention that with certain COD contracts, I'm not saying that this is definitively what uh, the heretics have going on, but in some COD contracts, they make less money if they're not starting for their team. And obviously, like, that's pretty, like, I don't know if that ever happens in traditional sports. Like, I can't really think of a um, an example of that. Maybe getting sent down. Like, I don't know if, like, in, in MLB where a uh, major league player, if he gets sent down, if he makes the same amount of money, he would in uh in the majors but you know that's like if you get benched if 
So say Kenny Pickett, if he gets benched by the Pittsburgh Steelers, he's making the same amount of money regardless. As long as he is like active on the roster and he can play, it's it's different if he's injured. But for Call of Duty, some of these guys make significantly less money if they're on the bench for a team rather than the starting lineup. But I, I think uh, Temp had mentioned something like that, that he actually made less money playing and starting for the Las Vegas or the Paris Legion at that point than he would have made just being on the bench for the Los Angeles Thieves. Um, so, you know, I, I it, it's it's different for them traditional sports because it's literally like life-changing money in the NFL and the NBA. It's not life-changing money or, or it's um, maybe not for everybody. Um, it's not life-changing money if in the Call of Duty League. So um, I think that also has to be taken into account. But uh, swinging back to my original point, um, the coaches they have a really difficult position here to kind of choose who's going to start, who's going to be on the bench, and uh, potentially kind of alienate that one player that thinks they should be starting and they're not, and they have to start the season in the ch in the in challengers. And who knows what's going on with challengers, which makes it even crazier for that person. Um, so yeah, I I think this is probably the best way to go about it. Um, and it seems like they did change their mind, at least internally. Maybe Journey was maybe a little bit premature in tweeting that he was going to be in Challengers now that he seems like he might be in the CDL. But like you said, there could be changes between now and the first match or now in the first land, which is not even until January. So maybe after uh, the Heretics or other teams get to see a few matches online against other CDL teams, then they will make that change. Um, so there's a really a lot that could happen in the next month or two uh, for a lot of CDL teams, in all honesty. Um, let's talk about Scrap, because he has been talking a lot about everybody. Um, he, I don't know what got into him. I mean, he's always kind of been like this, but it seems like he's gone in overdrive in the first uh, few weeks of the MW3 season. Um, so he was talking trash to Karma and Skump, saying quote i retired you as well don't forget that uh, don't forget it um clay and scrappy have been going back and forth um on just numerous occasions um they scrimmed each other and they got in like i don't want to say they got into it but they like beefed a little bit um scrap said like a BZ and simp carried you to champs uh, or to like a champs ring and clay's like well i have three you know what happened to the other two and they said like uh online for the dallas empire one and clay's like what about the other one so it's like it, it's kind of funny that um they're going back at it scrap <laughs> was like I'll, I'll give you the other one because <laughs> i don't think you really say anything about aw clay winning champs mvp online. with baby attach and <laughs> and j cap and replays so um yeah i i think it's like i don't know whether to take scrappy seriously with a lot of this stuff because he seems like he's just a troll, like not even in a bad way, just like he he enjoys this kind of stuff. So he just does it to get a reaction or to like crack up someone else um, because it never seems like it's really like mean spirited because he could say mean stuff about anybody he wants to. But it always seems like he's going at someone that can always defend themselves like he's going at Clay. Like, I don't think Clay is self-conscious about his like 15 year career in cod like i don't think that's happening 
Um, but it was just, uh, you know, pretty funny. At least it's given us some entertainment. What's your take yep. on all of this? Because obviously we've talked about how much we like Scrap and how he's kind of oh, yeah. embraced, you know, the, the villain role that aches used to be, you know, the king of it, especially with Optic. So what do you think about Scrap and kind of his um, resurgence as the villain? Like you read my mind. I mean, that, that's where I was going with this was, you know, he Scrap might be the new age aches. Uh, obviously, he's got a, um, a lot of championships and, and uh, rings to go to catch up to him in, in terms of accolades and stuff, but... Uh, definitely in the trash talking department. Um, it's you know one of the closest we we probably had in a long time. Especially, you know we we had those Black Ops Two Ghost days where you were you know you got the famous nameless videos, and I think it was Ringhouse was the the YouTube channel that had all the yeah. yelling and screaming videos. Um, but it, we've gone a long way from that over the years. But I feel like in recent years we've kind of gotten back to it a little bit more. Um, and, and Scrappy has definitely been one of the more vocal players, certainly last year and certainly in, in some more recent years. So I obviously love it, um, love the trash talk, and I, I think it is important, like you said. It, it is kind of hard to tell sometimes if he's actually being serious or not. I think he might be in some cases. Um, in other cases, I feel like it's kind of obvious he, he's doing it to be funny and stuff like that. But um, regardless of intent or anything like that, it definitely is entertainment. And that at the end of the day, that's the point. So um, I, I, you know, as long as like kind of like you said, you know, seeing it between Scrap and Clay is all good fun because Clay might be towards the end of his career, but not too long ago, he, he was one of those younger players who was able to talk some trash to and, and back it up. So that's the other important element too. You can't be somebody who, who talks trash and, and doesn't back it up. And obviously scrap rookie of the year last year, um, had, had some strong performances throughout the year. I think he was an all-star, right? I think we had, I think so. Yeah. I think his first team all-star. Yeah, so, yeah. So, I mean, he, he had a solid year last year and, and his first year is only just getting started. And uh, it's obviously a big difference between, you know, somebody talking trash and not being able to back it up. But when you're able to back it up, uh, it makes it more fun in the long run as well. So I, I love it. Um, I, I do think the, the first one of uh, him saying uh, that, you know, stuff to Damon and Scump might be a little out of pocket, but the, uh, the, the, the clay banter, in, in pre-match scrims and stuff like that. I, I think that's all in good fun at the end of the day. Well, if he's going at optic guys, like he has a death wish, like someone's yeah. going to like send the SWAT <laughs> team to his house. One of these days, he's got to be careful with that. The Toronto facility. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there was a breaking point put together, like a comparison of Clayster and scrap yeah. and Clayster has 92 pro tournaments and scrappy has six. It's like, and it, and Clayster has 580 pro series as as a uh, in his career, and Scrap has 49. So it's like there's there's, there's... And that's why I included that link because I thought just the the drastic difference in those numbers was just kind of ludicrous. Yeah, like that's just so crazy to think. Like, and obviously, like Clayster is like an anomaly because the guys that he grew up playing with are like almost all retired. Like I. I don't know if there's a single guy out there right now, like at least in the CDL, that would have played with him like in MW2 or um, even MW3, like because, um, I mean, like Skump was obviously like one of those guys, but he's gone. Crim6, Car Karma gone. 
um, obviously aches. Um, so like there, there really aren't that many of him, uh, uh, many of those old guys that are still playing the game at a high level. So it's pretty ridiculous to see, but still like to think that and he's played like a hundred tournaments at a pro level is, is just ridiculous. And that's a number that might not ever be touched. That was the other thing I was going to mention here too, is that as we, you know, Clay's eventually going to retire, hopefully. I, I know you don't hope it's anytime soon, but it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Um, and when that does happen, we're we're going to be eventually in an era where um, those longtime players who are in the days of playing, like, more than five tournaments in a year, well over more than five tournaments in a year, the, the difference between somebody like Scrap, who's only playing in the CDL, where there's only five majors in a year, every year, and a, a lower number of tournaments compared to, like, those open circuits back in the day, like, that that drastic disparity between tournaments played um, is going to be cut down just because everybody's in the CDL is going to have played the same matches. Like, if we look at somebody... Um, if we look at someone like Hydra and then somebody who joined the same year as Hydra, like they're going to have the exact same number of tournaments played because they have just been in the CDL since that point and, uh, you know, have only been... They, they, it's, it's not like there's the UMG tournaments or anything yeah. like that that they can go to to add on to the total. Like that, that's a fixed number that's not going to yeah. change for anybody as long as they're playing the entire season so hydra might have been a bad example because he had the visa issues and all that but nonetheless the point is being like somebody like scrap let's use scrap and snoopy right yeah. like in five years from now if we want to compare scrap is going to have five more tournaments played than snoopy if they both play in every tournament for the next five years after this because scrap will just have one more season over him yeah and that's it yeah it was it's yeah it's a completely different ecosystem that we're in right now because like you were saying like there were MLG tournaments, there were UMG tournaments, there were UGC tournaments, there was esports uh, World Cup, there was EGL, um, you know, there were X Games. Yeah, there were X Games. Like, there were a bunch of different local lands that people would go to. They would go to, like, uh, what was the New York one that everyone would always go to, like um, J Rod or something like that? Um, they would always go to, like, Jersey, the, yeah. Yeah, the, Jersey, um, the Jersey tournaments. And, like, that just doesn't happen. Like, it, and, uh, like, Probably from like 2000, I don't know, let's say 2009 to 2015-ish, it was like teams would kind of pick and choose which uh, tournaments they would go to. Like a lot of them would go to all of the tournaments because that's the best way to make a name for yourself, to make money, to win tournaments, to compete against the best. But some teams would just like choose not to go to like UGC Niagara, for example, or like they would like, or... Um, the PAX East tournaments, like where it was an invitational only, like only eight teams. The full sale invitational was only like a few teams that would go there. Now everybody goes to the majors, like all every team in the CDL goes to the majors. And really the only discrepancy will be between the challengers players and whether every challengers player is going to every challengers event. But even then there are only going to be probably like at max five or at max six challengers tournaments this season likelihood there will be probably like three like in all honesty because some of these majors won't have challengers tournaments i imagine and then who knows what's going on with um what challengers in general but uh, maybe the challengers finals but yeah like the the clayster versus scrap stuff um i think the trash talk is maybe a little bit real but you know 
obviously more kind of put on and just kind of like a fun thing for him to do. And like you mentioned, Clayster, that was kind of his thing. Like he was a hype beast essentially for literally his, his entire career. Like he was known for screaming across the stage, uh, throwing up the threes. Like when he would sweep guys, he would um, like, uh, uh, say somebody's choking like i mean we need to bring back the ringhouse videos so we can get something <laughs> close to what killer's choo-choo train was because that was by my expectation is like that is the peak of call of duty like there's been nothing better than literally one of at that point he was one of the best players in the world or you know a former world champion at that point literally screaming at his former teammate I seen you shaking at champs. You're nervous. You're nervous. And literally the owner of a team trying to calm him down with like Hastro, tr like trying to calm Killa down is like, dude, chill out. Like <laughs> this is crazy. Like they're in a, a ballroom of a convention center and he's going crazy. So like that was uh, the peak of Call of Duty if, um, if I'm concerned. Um, so, but you know. I'd love for that to come back. Probably not going to happen, but maybe if the CDL dies, we'll have to kind of reassess and make our priorities straight. Um, uh, also, Killa, someone to talk about in the news recently. Uh, Sloss has been retired for years now, it feels like, um, but he tweeted, um, said, is everyone still banning and GAing everything? If so, thank gosh I quit. And then Sib comes out of nowhere, said, you would be getting gunned by the new generation if you knew how the new CODs were. You'd be retired later than sooner, which is definitely a mistake. And Killa said, sorry, I'm confused. You play pro COD? And Sib said, no, sir. And Killa said, pick up a tool belt. Best advice I can give you before it's too late. Um, I, I literally don't know why this happened because that it's like the most random thing. It's like chat GBT was trying to get in on some COD drama. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this because Killa and Sib beefing on Twitter about <laughs> GAs was not on my bingo card. Oh, I just, I thought it was a really funny interaction and I, you know, I don't think it's that deep either, but um, I, I definitely got a good laugh out of it. So worth sharing uh it actually looks like sib deleted his tweets now too but um yeah he did not get a favorable reaction from the fans <laughs> um i i do think there is some merit to, to what he said but obviously um some longtime fans might disagree um but i guess that does uh bring a question of up of how killer would perform in today's cdl um it, it it might be a little different than some longtime fans remember, in my opinion. But obviously, you know, respect to him as a former world champion, like you said. Um, and and Sib is an up and coming player who's had a couple good years now. So, um, yeah, I I just thought that was a really funny interaction. And um, you know, who knows? Maybe maybe we'll get like a a, a version two if now that uh. Now that Sloss seemingly knows or potentially knows who Sib is, you know, if Sib has a bad game or something and, and Sloss decides to respond or, or tweet something on Twitter, that could be another um, funny interaction there. But who knows? Well, probably nothing more from this, but definitely a funny interaction. Oh, yeah. People are definitely going to, like, send him a hammer emojis if he it doesn't have a good <laughs> game or something. Um, I, I was actually thinking, like, um, you know, like, before this episode – and I was like thinking about this specific tweet and like Killa in general 
as like a cod pro and obviously like he won cod champs like over 10 years ago like it was literally over a decade ago um and i was thinking like because people i think are pretty disrespectful of guys that peaked in like let's say like modern warfare 3 or black ops 2 or ghost because it was a long time ago like let's be honest i was in high school literally um when that stuff was happening but like you i i think it's like the nba like you really can't compare it like a lot of people try to like compare like bill russell or wilt chamberlain or kareem abdul jabbar to like guys like that play today like lebron or Giannis or Jokic. it's like well i mean like there's a lot of time that goes by like there's no way that you can like properly compare the two because while i'm sure like players that are good now i'm sure most of them could be s still good players if they were born 10 years earlier and they played cod just as much as they did um now a a as much as they did back then but like i'm if you if killer was 18 years old right now and he got to watch all of the best competitive players and had the kind of practice of playing against some of the best players for years and years and then is turning 18 like i'm sure he would be good like i i don't think yeah. that it's really like you know like it, it's kind of if you have a time machine and you brought them to this spot they probably wouldn't be very good because that's just not how the game was played back in the day and the same thing for traditional sports but it's just like there's no reason to compare them like killa has a ring just the same as someone like a has a ring you know like these players like yeah I, I was gonna i was trying to think of one but like someone like replays for example like who has one killer has one as a coach and one as a player okay who ha only has one <laughs> who only ha attach right attach only has yeah. one so attach what is younger than killer and so they each have one ring i don't think they really need to be compared in general i don't think a lot of people are sitting at home being like who's better attach or killer like it's not a real big thing but i just don't think that we should like be disrespectful of some of these older guys that probably could have made it if they had to in this day and age it would be a little bit harder mm -hmm. with just like the way to come up because there's less access like there's a literal cdl it's like a closed off league where it wasn't so much the case back then that that's one difference, obviously, in terms of the come up, and you know, there's not the S and D that some of these other guys came up with. But yeah. the other big difference right away is just the 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 money involved in the scene, and like guys like Killer, where you know we joke about the Ringhouse video and stuff, but they were literally playing like for the tournament money as as their their pay. Like they yeah. if they didn't win tournaments, they didn't make money because they weren't salaried or anything like that. Now you have guys making minimum 50k a year salary to play cod where in some i mean we could go back and look it up um outside of that champs win i would be surprised if killers if all of the farigo wins even came close to a 50k minimum salary and and that was just for i think that was a four tournaments at the start of black ops 2 obviously champs would be the big one but the other ones definitely didn't come close to 50k combined and and that's the minimum salary now for cdl so obviously times have changed um and you know who, who knows even somebody obviously not like killa because I, I don't think he had a job while competing but i know like famously there's like you know slasher was 
uh, going to college for robotic engineering or something like that yeah. while he won COD champs in Black Ops 3. Like, now players aren't going to school or at the same time, at least at the pro level. Obviously, people in Challengers are, are working 9-to-5 jobs or going to school still and then getting home to scrim and such. But um, at the pro level, like that, it's just a big difference compared to the times. And that's what happens even in, in traditional sports. Times change, and uh, that's the way of life. Uh, so MLG Dallas, which was the tournament before champs in 2013. Um, and I think that's like the first tournament that I remember. I don't even think I watched it live. I think I went back and watched it like on YouTube and stuff. But that total tournament prize pool was 50,000. And majors nowadays in the CDL are 500,000. And people want more sometimes about like, these these tournaments should be more money, blah blah blah. But like this was literally a fifty thousand dollar tournament, and so you know Impact won that tournament. They won twenty thousand dollars as a team, so they were 5K. splitting that five k taxes. Let's say they get like three thousand each. Like I don't know how much it it took to get them out into Dallas and to put them in a hotel, but like they weren't going home with very much money. Like it was more of like a prestige thing like to to win a championship and I, obviously like we have uh, on dot esports we have the the article of like the highest earning cdl players from like uh tournament winnings and stuff and i think it's i think it's a bz but like it's all like it's usually been like an atlanta phase guy because they won champs in like 2021 um but like arsties who has only been a pro for maybe like six, seven years now, less than that probably. Um, and he was the highest earning COD pro ever. And like, I just think that's ridiculous because he hadn't won that many tournaments compared to some of the other guys. Like you think about the optic dynasty guys, had they w had that kind of run in this, like uh, a little bit later where tournaments were more money on average, they would have made so much more money. Obviously they were probably getting, Quite a bit of salary they're making maybe quite a bit off of streaming and youtube and everything and sponsors but like from tournament winnings alone they would have been uh it would have been pretty nuts in all honesty um so you know that it's just like a different era like the same thing that happens in the nba like uh michael jordan like his total career earnings is like i don't know like 45 50 million like in terms of salary and guys make that in a single year in the nba now that aren't nearly as good as Michael Jordan. So like, that's just how it goes. I'm looking up my article real quick. So Abizi is the number one highest earner. Simp is number two. RC is number three. Crim6, who, you know, that makes sense. Crim6, like the most winningest player in COD history. He's at four. Then Selium is at five. And he didn't even start up being a pro until like 2019. Same with Simp. So like these guys are in the top five and they've been a pro for four or five years and that's just kind of how things go especially because um champs has become such a big money earner for these guys i think the uh what was it the 2020 online champs that was like a like a 4.1 million dollar pot or something like that something ridiculous and obviously empire won that and that's been great for them um but you know getting off on the point um this flank tier list real quick. Uh, so the flank, they put together a CDL team tier list uh, ranking the 12 teams uh, S through D. So S being the highest tier, D being the lowest. 
Um, I guess we'll start at the bottom. So the, at D, they just have one team. It's the Los Angeles Gorillas. And I'm assuming that, uh, yeah, so this was the November 20th. So this is the new roster um, that they have. And then C, there are four teams. The Minnesota Rocker, the Las Vegas Legion, the Seattle Surge, and the Miami Heretics. B, three teams, LAT, Lon or not London, Carolina Royal Ravens, and Boston. Uh, a, New York Subliners, and Optic Texas. And S is the Toronto Ultra in Atlanta phase. Agree or disagree on any of these? Any of them like particularly egregious or something that you think, um, you know, that you noticed that was like out of order? Um, so the big thing for me is I, I think it would be interesting to go and listen to the Flank episode to see hear their reasoning uh, behind some of this because obviously anything that I would say uh, for the teams would be based on just like purely the rosters on paper. I, I really haven't watched too many scrims or tournaments or anything yet. Um, but what I had been saying earlier in this offseason was like it, it would be kind of in quadrants. Um, where the top four in any order could really be Toronto, Atlanta, New York, and Optic, and I don't think anybody would really complain about that. Um, and then that middle four and the bottom four was kind of like, you know, just a, a smorgasbord or, um, you know, a, a mix and mash there of a, of a bunch of different teams. I think the one thing that stands out and that I would kind of agree with so far, just based on what I've seen on, you know, that, that CDL scrim intel post some screenshots and stuff of, of scrim results, I feel like I've seen uh, Carolina doing at least decently in some of these scrims, especially in comparison to when that roster was formed and announced. Um, so to have to see the flank put them in the B tier when potentially they were they were one of the last four teams to announce their roster, um, that that could be a little uh, that that kind of stands out to me and and kind of means that you know that that team might have uh, a shot to to turn some heads this year. So that was really the one that that sticks out to me. I think uh, even LA LA Thieves there, um, that's a team with a lot of young talent looking to to bounce back in some ways for guys like Afro uh, and Cammy, and then, you know, like Joe Deceives really had a rookie year to forget last year in terms of the, the structure around him at LAG and all that other stuff. And then Ghosty had a, a strong year uh, in his time with Optic from an individual standpoint, but now on a, in a different uh, team, how's he going to perform? Questions like that. So, uh, interesting team for LATs, but you know, middle of the pack here to start uh, makes sense to me. And then obviously, you just have LAG at the bottom. I mean, they still haven't officially announced their roster, and then there's the the whole drama around that situation last week. So, not surprised to see them at the bottom. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with you on like the quadrants idea, especially like the top one: uh, Toronto, Atlanta, New York, and Optic. I think that's a pretty clear top four. From the, just on paper, obviously, because we don't like I haven't seen phase scrim at all, and I think that they're mostly scrimming off screen, uh, off stream, and uh, I think Optic is now gonna uh, start streaming off screen, uh, sc off, scrimming off stream, um, and there's gonna be a lot of teams that just don't stream their sc scrims anymore, so it's gonna be interesting. Um, I won't really know what to think about it until the season actually starts, and even then, like online play like we're gonna have a few online matches and then we're gonna have a break and then we're gonna have a few more online matches and then a major i don't i feel like we're not really gonna know 
what these teams are made of until after the first major, because then we'll at least have eight matches uh, to see them one match uh, at minimum on LAN, and then we can kind of figure out where these teams are um, supposed to be. But maybe we'll do a, a little tier list of our own before the season yeah. starts and kind of compare it as we go along um, throughout the season. Uh, last thing that we have here is Greg. Greg Tremor's arch nemesis. Uh, he went on uh, Rapulza's stream, and he was talking about snaking um, in MW3, which is uh, a thing that a lot of people have been complaining about this season um, because it is pretty prevalent and there's been a lot of it, uh, especially among pro players. There was that, um, that Selium one that, uh, you know, I think it was Crone said he was snaping, uh, snaking his dick off. And then there was uh, one with Ghosty that I put in article I wrote at Esports where uh, he's behind Burger Town Counter and he's snaking Temp, who's top Eskies, and Temp is snaking him from top Eskies. So they're they're counter snaking each other. Um, so yeah, it's it's been pretty prevalent. But Greg was on the stream and he said um, that he's pretty much okay with people doing it. He said, "quote If you're snaking, you are intentionally trying to mess with the game in that sense." But you're trying to get that advantage and you can do it so take advantage of it if you can do it do it and the game lets you do it and he said that they're trying to strike a balance so to speak with the the player experience of the person snaking and the person that is getting snaked um but he said that there's no bugs with it that they're just letting players do it a lot and um they're in actively investigating snaking but you know i think it was funny though because he said um like the first thing he said was like well you know we're, we're looking into like what can be done about it it's like what are you talking about like bro you know what can be done about it i i, I told you this the other day but like csgo doesn't let like obviously you can't go prone in csgo or cs2 but like they don't let you spam, crouch, stand, crouch, stand. Like, you just can't do that really quickly. It makes you go in, like, slow motion after the second one. And that, that pretty much would... That would be a really big bug or a, a really big feature for CS2 if you could just, like, up, down, up, down, up, down and pretty much just, like, peek, like, at will. Something that you can do in COD. Um, but I just thought it was weird that he was saying, like, what can be done with it. It's pretty obvious i don't know if you had any thoughts on this because um i i wrote the article for dot so uh, i didn't know if you had any thoughts for it i mean the, the funny quote you said you can do it if, if you can do it do it and you know the age age old adage at this point you can do it two phase up so uh you know i'm pretty sure Celium was a little happy with that answer but no i i think you hit the nail on the head uh uh, the fact that they're actively investigating it for some people is probably a positive thing, but uh, on the flip side of that, the the question of why something hasn't been done already, or as you mentioned, you know, taking some inspiration from other games that have addressed it to some extent um, in their own titles and and using that for inspiration in COD or why why stuff like that hasn't been done is is another question entirely. So. Um, I don't have much to add on it. it. It doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon, and um, some people aren't going to be happy about that. But 
Uh, at the end of the day, I, I do have to say it was kind of refreshing, even if some of the answers um, weren't what I personally or people in the community wanted to hear. The fact that a couple of developers from Sledgehammer were willing to go on the Twitch stream uh, for somebody and, and talk live about the game and, and openly talk about some stuff uh, is definitely a positive sign, in, in my opinion, of potentially a more open line of communication going forward. Fingers crossed with that, but yeah. Yeah, they definitely came off a lot better than the uh, Sledgehammer Reddit crew that just was actively ignoring all the skill-based matchmaking questions in the AMA, um, even though there were probably approximately a million of those questions that they were just like, nope, 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 not going to answer that. Um, but yeah, I think... Uh, Sledgehammer came off pretty well. Um, even Greg and Tremor, he, he's not in the United States, I don't think, to hear this. So he's, um, you know, but when he listens to this, he's going to shudder because that was that was just too far. Um, I think that about does it. Um, so we talked about uh, the rule set. We talked about Heretics and Scrappy and all of the little peripheral stuff that um, has been going on in the COD community lately. Um Obviously, Thanksgiving is this week, so uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody that's celebrating, not to you Canadians who were already doing it last month, very selfishly, um, but uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Uh, hope you have too much food and it's all good and you can enjoy some time with your friends and family. Uh, we will be back probably next week, um, but if not, the week after. Uh, we're getting pretty close to the official start date for the 2024 CDL season, uh, which is pretty exciting. Uh, I'm very glad that we're getting close to the end of this off season, if nothing else, um, because it's been a slog to try to, like, it's not like we're content creators in, in the general sense, but just to talk about stuff where you don't know if anything's gonna happen for a month is not very exciting. So just mm -hmm. having matches on every week or, um, or most weeks is going to be nice. So the first day is December 8th. Um, so that is uh, two and a half weeks away from now, uh, which, man, that, that's going to fly by, especially with the holidays and everything. So um, we'll be giving our predictions and talking about the, the matches before you know it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's about it for me. Make sure to subscribe, like the podcast, follow the uh, podcast feed, youtube.com uh we're on uh youtube at ego chow podcast twitter um the twitter is at ego chow podcast his twitter is at jbink with two k's mine is at prez buyers um if you want to watch this live stream uh, live you could go to twitch.tv slash ego chow podcast or the youtube uh, channel also has it we're on apple Podcasts. we're on spotify um, we're pretty much on everything, so you should be able to find our podcast no matter where you listen. Um, and, uh, yeah, that about does it. Bink, take it away. Yep. Thank you guys, as always, for all the support. Uh, as Preston said, we're, we're getting down to it, and before you know it, we'll be into the season. So looking forward to that. And uh, before we get there, though, like, like he said, happy Thanksgiving to everybody celebrating. And we'll see you right back here whenever we're live again. So, yeah, until then, have a good one. And remember to send the chow.